Hello and welcome to CX Today. My name is Charlie and today I'm joined by Gary Gormley, founder of Fab Solutions. Gary, thank you very much for joining for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thanks Charlie. Nice to be here and lovely to see you again. Yeah, great to see you again. Not the first, uh, not the first one of uh, these interviews that we've um, done, but I'm very excited um, about the topic that we're going to be covering today, and that is um, contact center agent trends 2023 and how contact centers can maybe address um, some of those. But before we get into those trends, just so our viewers can maybe get a sense of your industry expertise, could you tell us a little bit about how you and your um, company Fab Solutions? Uh, are supporting contact centers. Yeah, you put me on a platform there with expertise, but um, I don't know about expertise, but I've certainly got tenure, that's for sure. And sometimes tenure brings that expertise through doing things the wrong way sometimes. Um, so I'm uh, Gary Gormley. So I've, I have two businesses under the umbrella of the, uh, the Fab Group, uh, and that's Fab Solutions, which is a uh, contact center consultancy, um, and it helps contact center leaders probably navigate some of the challenges and issues that I used to have. Uh, when I was working in the operation. I've been in contact centers for about 20-ish years uh, in various different roles, starting right from the phones, leading all the way up to uh, running my own centers. So Fab Solutions was born as a consultancy to help people fix some of those process issues, training, leadership development, and technology. But as I kind of founded that business, and I founded that four years ago, it's grown arms and legs, and it's now got the the outsource business that's attached to it. So I actually now run my own contact center at the same time, um, which means I can sandbox and test things and do new ideas um, and see how that kind of whole thing can can hang together, supporting clients with various different technologies and solutions and opportunities from inbound, outbound to, to digital. So trying to piece all that together with the overarching mission for, for Fab as a group is to change customer perceptions by delivering awesome customer experiences. So that's me and my industry experience. Does that does that kind of give you a picture? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you've uh, underlined the expertise as well that I was uh, that I was uh, that I set you up um, with. But I think it's also great. Kind of shows also um, that you know a contact center agent can grow a great career within the customer service space. Absolutely. And I know this is a topic you're uh, passionate about, but I won't detract. Uh, from today's uh, main topic, and that is those agent trends. So let's um, get into those. And what I will say, actually, before we do get into those, is that these come from uh, a Ring Central report um, conducted at the back end of 2022, uh, and that's collated lots of various industry kind of statistics. Um, and that's in the, that's in the description box below, so you can check that out too. Um, but yeah, let's get into these trends. And the first one is that agent uh, agent workloads are increasing in contact centers now this yeah this this is perhaps a a, a tricky one um but is this a trend that you've noticed gary and kind of how can contact centers start combating those rising workloads you know what it, it certainly is i mean the work doesn't go away does it it just builds and builds and i think as ever in contact centers the more channels we introduce into the mix the more that work is going to going to increase so obviously channels have increased which means demand has increased across multiple work streams uh, or multiple channels, if you like. Um, and I've not met a contact center yet that said, oh, I introduced um, web chat into my contact center and all my voice calls dropped so significantly. Now, that would be a dream to have, wouldn't it? But usually when you add in more channels, you add in more demand or that demand just moves to a slightly different area. So what we have seen is that there's been an increase in 
in workload through the introduction in, into demand, but also the the demand itself has slightly changed. So with the introduction of uh, self-serve, with digitization of the customer journey, you obviously start having customers use different channels that are easier to use and give you that quick transactional fix that you wanted to um, want to get sorted without the need to ring somebody. So ultimately that means the demand that we get into the contact center now is slightly more complex. And in this current environment, not only is it more complex, the customers that we're dealing with are actually a lot more vulnerable at the same time. So we've got an increase in demand, we've got an increase in complexity of demand, and then we've got an increase in the vulnerability of those customers that need help with that demand. So it's it's a threefold problem really that contact centers are probably struggling to, to, to meet. And this is probably why we still hear, maybe to this day, we are experiencing high call volumes or your call is important to us. And I think that's going to, it's going to happen and we need to break the back of it. But how do we support agents to manage that? Well, I think there's there's a few different ways. I think we have to monitor the vulnerability of the agent. So we've got vulnerable customers. We've also got vulnerable agents, especially in an environment where they're so disparate and they're, they're spread across the country. They might be remote. They might be hybrid. They might also be experiencing their own vulnerability as we go through a cost of living crisis. So I think we have to recognize that, but we have to equip managers at the same time to have those conversations. Uh, and again, we have to recognize that managers are also people too, <laughs> we are human, um, and that we have our own experiences, we've got our own struggles, and we're then having to balance the needs and wants of a team of anything up to 12, 13, 14 people, depending upon what your, your spans of control are. So we need to equip managers to have those conversations by supporting them through leadership or training or just having a conversation to check how they are. Um, and then I think the other kind of couple of areas that we need to work on is, is monitoring that burnout rate of agents. So we look at conformance, we look at adherence. What we don't often look at, or the word that I don't hear used often enough is when we're looking at agent capacity, is the utilization of those agents. So how much of their time are they spent actually doing the work and actually spent on the phone to a customer, on the desktop to an email, on the chat to a web chatter, and actually are they getting as much of a, um, a break as they might need, or are we working them flat out? And I think what we, we need to look at as part of that is the overarching resource model um, that sits in line with the business. It's to say, right, if demand is increasing in multiple areas and the, the handling time for those is either getting longer or it's getting more complex in terms of conversation and process, then your fundamentally your resource model needs to change. And I think we are reluctant sometimes to add headcount in because we see it as an, as an additional cost. Um, but if your headcount and your supply of and your demand of, of traffic isn't dying down, then that becomes your new demand. And then you have to decide what you want to do as a business um, to manage the supply needed to, to resource to that demand so that agents don't feel burnt out, they don't feel stressed, and that customer journey and that customer experience um, doesn't go through the floor. Mm. Yeah, I think there's lots of really good points there. I mean, as well, I mean, for starters, obviously, working on the employee and the experience stemming the flow of attrition. And I guess that also helps in terms of making sure there are enough uh, agents on the phones to handle a lot of this rising demand. Um, yeah, looking after managers as well, um, obviously very important so they can get the best out of their employees and managing occupancy or utilization. I think, yeah, that's uh, yeah, three very good points there. And I think 
the old golden standard, I don't know if it still is the case, is making sure occupancy doesn't rise above 85%. Is that what you've kind of seen yeah, as well? Yeah, I, I tend to flip anywhere between 85 to 90%. If it gets to 90%, I start getting a bit stressed. Um, <laughs> 85% is probably a nice, healthy green. Um, yeah. Bruise and lose, I call it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there were re- lots of really um, great points on that one. Um, so we'll quickly uh, move on now um, to our next uh, agent trend, and that is um, agents experiencing difficulties uh, with contact center tools and software. Why do you think this might be happening? And what can contact centers do to maybe ensure more agent-friendly technology implementations? You know, if you've sat in a contact center and you've sat down with an agent and you've observed how many systems they use, it's absolutely incredible how much they have to navigate whilst listening to a customer, thinking about kind of where to to get information and how to start to actually do the job and smile at the same time. So I think they do need uh, a medal for how many systems that they use. And the difficulty comes when we implement technologies is if we do that without a clear plan or without a clear strategy, or if the, the new CEO or the MD has had systems before and they're all shiny and new and they want to have the same systems in and they just want to put these systems in because that's actually the system that they're used to using. So we need to be careful um, when we're implementing new technologies and making sure that they tie in with the existing ones and that they actually talk to each other. Um, I think in this digital age now, there's probably not a lot of systems out there that don't integrate with some sort of API. Um, but we need to be really clear about what systems that we've got, how they talk to each other, and how that impacts the agent journey and the agent experience. We talk a lot in contact centers about customer experience. We talk a lot in contact centers about customer journeys. We don't often talk a lot about the agent journey or the agent experience or the how well that user interface is laid out and how many screens that people have got. In some instances, I've seen three screens for an agent um, and that's just too much like the matrix for me. I think if you start getting into triple numbers with your screens, then um, there, there is a, there's, there's just too much going on. Unless you're in resource planning where you need something set up like the matrix, um, that just becomes a problem. So for me, it's thinking about what that technology strategy needs to be. And I think where we miss a trick often in any systems integration piece or system transformation is not engaging the frontline operational teams early enough in that process mm-hmm. and starting to build out what the, the user requirements are. And, and what we'll do is we'll sometimes replace something with a as is rather than replacing it with something that fixes a broken process or fixes a, a broken journey that's gonna help improve that overall experience. So I think we need to engage very early on to, to really understand what the problems are that the frontline are facing that implementing new technology will fix. And what that does is it breeds that engagement plan and it gets that that buy-in very early on um, that this system's gonna be amazing. And those people that uh, sat there, maybe sat on a system that they've been using for 20 years um, that they don't wanna lose and they don't wanna miss out on, become more advocates because they can see the benefits of doing it. And they've actually had input into developing this new system. So I think engagement um, is a really important one, but I think we need to track back the, the logistics um, of how the systems are going to be used and the environment in which they're going to be used at the same time, especially considering the work environment these days um, is somebody's front room or is somebody's kitchen. So if we do need multiple screens, have they got the, the space in their home to support that? Uh, or are they trying to cram a laptop and two um, monitors very closely and precariously 
on some sort of workbench. So I think we have to think about the logistics of what we're asking people to do um, and the environments that they're working through at the same time. And then ensure yeah. that we've just got that right level of support um, throughout the team that can support them from an IT perspective for when it goes wrong. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think lots of really um, great points there. And I think it reminds me actually a lot of your answer. Um, there reminds me of, kind of some research Gartner put out, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, saying that 45% of uh, agents keep using old software even after um, a new implementation. And the Gartner analyst was talking about the importance of a shutdown strategy. But, you know, if you have that engagement, as you say beforehand, the significance of such a strategy is lowered and agents understand the benefits, as you said, of using that technology. And I also think, as you said, also the the importance of um, the environment in which an agent is in um, is something that maybe we overlook too. So I think lots of really great um, stuff uh, there too. And that kind of brings us to our last uh, agent trend, and that is a lack of managerial support. I mean, we talked a little bit um, already about managers, but imagine since the switch to uh, hybrid work, this point is um, their jobs change and yeah, this made support isn't seemingly there. How do you recommend that contact centers can ensure the necessary agent support um, from afar? You know what, the, the role of the team leader is I sometimes describe it as thankless because you you don't necessarily get the thanks from the team of of however many people that you're working with. And then sometimes you're not necessarily thanked or appreciated by the seniors above you. So you're kind of caught caught between a a rock and a hard place sometimes. So I think we need to recognise that the role of the team leader is a difficult and a challenging one, especially for relatively new leaders that have come out of um, a COVID environment that might not have had the benefit or the luxury of honing their craft in a face-to-face environment. Um, They're thrust into a remote setting where they're having to think about how they engage a team um, from a distance, how they train their team virtually and and in in an environment where they might struggle to get that message or they might struggle to use the tools um, in order to, to help people learn. So I think we have to recognize that team leadership is um, is a particularly challenging um, role at any point, at least when you're you're doing that, that virtually. So I think in doing that, I think we have to really map out what that agent onboarding experience needs to be. And at what point do we, do we drop in the, the team leader? And when do they get to start to make those connections and build those um, relationships with the team leaders. So I think things like pre-boarding calls, uh, roles within induction and having a presence in induction, be it virtual or on site, um, is a key piece. And I think it's it's it, it's worth some consideration to say, right, actually, if we're running more remote teams, can we actually do some of that induction in a physical presence? Or is it just to... Um, broad spread across the country in order to do that. So how we set those people up initially for success, um, I think is important. And the team leader definitely has a, um, has a role to play in that. Um, and then I'm, I'm starting to hear a term um, around uh, a bias, so an office bias. Um, so what, And this is particularly true of, um, of team leaders who have people who work from the office um, or might spend more time in the office. So they end up having a bias towards the people in the office. And I think that's only a natural thing because you start to build those face-to-face um, connections and you start probably having those more discreet moments. Um, whereas you don't necessarily get that in a 
in a remote setting or in a, in a, a distance um, learning setting. So I think we have to consciously work on that bias um, and be very aware of it so that we don't see people feeling like there is a lean towards one or the other. Um, and that is, is about communication. It's about bringing people together. It's about making sure that they all feel like they're all pulling in the, in the same direction. So having clear structures, having sessions where we're having team meetings and we've got people from home on the, on the TV maybe, we've got the other people in the office and we've got our cameras on so that we're all physically seeing each other and connecting with each other at least box to face or, or whatever the phrase is these days. So we start to build those relationships even in a, in a remote environment. And I think training managers in the right way to do that is important um, and making sure that the, the team leaders have the capability to have a conversation virtually, be that positive and or constructive, and that they're not just having the, the face-to-face conversations when it's about nice fluffy stuff and then they, they then move into more difficult conversations and they might do that virtually because people tend to pick up on that. Um, so how we structure some of those conversations um, is, is really important. And it's, it's I, I always liken it to when one of my old managers was like, people were in trouble if you got taken to a room these days. So it's like, all right, if you're happy to have the conversation at the desk, then that's great. As soon as you get taken into the room, it's a telling off conversation. So we need to think about that and how that works um, virtually at the same time. But a lot of it boils down to how we communicate and how we can communicate in different ways and maybe do different channels and have different access points so people can get the help that they need very real time. So Slack channels, WhatsApp channels, Teams channels, all really useful ways of getting emergency SOS conversations very quickly um, surfaced to the top so that people don't feel like they're floundering or that they don't feel like they're um, they're stressing out. And I think the, the, the other final point I'd make on that is we just need to recognize that not every conversation or every meeting needs to be a Teams meeting or a Zooms meeting. There is a such thing as a telephone call and you can walk and talk around with the phone. It's a mobile phone. Um, so things like maybe having walking one-to-ones where people might not get out of their houses much. If we're having a half an hour conversation about how you're feeling, how you're, um, how your performance is, how we, what career coaching conversation you might wanna have, that doesn't necessarily need to be sat down in a laptop in a room talking to each other. It can be out around the phone, go and stretch your legs, let's clear the mind um, and have a conversation like that. So I think it's just recognizing individuals and how they want to be managed and how we can work with them to get the best outcome. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you say, kind of the convergence of maybe a Teams or a Zoom or kind of even Ring Central, um, having that within a contact center platform is particularly um, valuable in many ways. I mean, through SME subject matter expert support channels, through a way to channel good customer feedback and grow a culture, and all these excellent things. But as you say, you know, mixing it up um, a little bit, keeping people on their toes, finding new ways to communicate um, is is very important. So yeah, I think lots of lots of really great um, stuff within that answer too, Gary. But it kind of makes me think. Yeah, we've covered three three excellent trends from within the report. Um, but it makes me think, obviously, you're in contact centers every day. What other trends are you seeing um, in the agent uh, space at the moment? I think the agents want to be engaged. Hmm. That is one of the things I'm hearing. And that boils back down to that communication piece is they, they want to feel um, like they're part of something bigger because they're, they're working so desperately at the moment. 
I think the trend that I'm seeing is it's it's harder for contact centers to connect with people uh, and build those uh, meaningful connections and, and communicate business updates and things that happen in the business and how life is, is, is changing. So I think engagement is definitely something that I am hearing people talk about. But I think the, the biggest trend I'm seeing at the moment and certainly things that I'm hearing from people that I've recruited internally in, in my contact center and from people that I'm speaking to outside of that is that it's a, I nearly swore then, it's a very stressful role for the agent at the moment. And conditions and the basics are the things that I'm seeing that are trending at the moment is they want to be paid fairly, they want to be valued and respected for the work that they do, and they want that career development to help them um, increase the salary, get more exposure to um, different opportunities. Um, and be rewarded fairly for the work that they're doing. So I think the the, the, the economic environment um, is definitely putting a squeeze on recruitment and it's definitely putting a squeeze on attrition. And I've spoken to a number of people who are really struggling to keep hold of people um, because it's a candidate market now. So people are moving around to different roles for maybe a, a couple of grand more in terms of pay and stuff. So I think... As contact centre leaders, we need to make sure that we are anticipating that and we're either bolstering the, the employee benefits package, but more importantly, we're treating people fairly and we're, and we're doing right by them so that they get the right level of support, they get the right coaching, they get one-to-ones, we're not pulling training um, and we're having the right resource plan that makes their lives a little bit easier. So that's the, the kind of key thing. I think recruitment and retention are definitely two key themes um, that are bubbling away very, very rapidly in our 2023. Mm, yeah, it's a tricky balance, isn't it? Really, it really is for a contact center manager, as you say, in terms of, you know, you've got an increasing demand, but then the staffing, uh, the ability to kind of keep hold um, of staff is almost counteracting that in a way. So keeping, maintaining the status quo almost is uh, is particularly tricky. And I think yeah, lots of great points actually throughout the conversation, um, throughout the conversation, Gary, and I'm sure there's uh, there's lots more um, people can hear from you. And I know you also have your kind of own contact center network. Do you want to quickly give that a, a point? Yeah, so what a, what a brilliant segue to, to next week. Yeah. So next week we have um, another contact center network um, panel speakers. Um, so we've got two great speakers that we're talking about learning and development in a remote setting, actually. So how can we help contact center leaders, trainers, um, people who develop agents or team leaders who have those conversations, have more richer conversations and, and richer training interventions in a more hybrid or remote uh, world. So how do we build that sense of community um, from a learning development point of view to help people excel at their jobs. So that's happening next Thursday, uh, one till two, um, virtually. So if people want to register or if people want to sign up, drop me a message and I'll share the link. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, thanks for that. And I'm sure they can also uh, add you on uh, LinkedIn maybe as well, make you keep up to date oh, with all that. I'm always hanging around on LinkedIn. So <laughs> please do connect with me. I'd love to catch up. Excellent. Well, I think, yeah, that's a great place to end today's conversation. But thank you very much uh, for joining me today, Gary. Wonderful to see you again, Charlie. Excellent. And also, uh, thank you to everybody for watching. Bye for now. Take care, folks.